peace of Christ be with you. As we gather for worship, a reminder, for those of you who would prefer to have a piece of paper in your hand, to follow the order of worship that way, we do print the bulletin each week, or post the bulletin, bulletin I should say, on the website, and encourage you to go there if that's helpful. Among other things, there we print the sheet music for the hymns. If a hymn is less familiar, that might be helpful to you. Now let us continue the way we always do at the outset of the service, taking about three deep breaths, that we might slow down and draw our attention to the reality of the Spirit's presence in and among us. Let us worship in beloved community. Welcome, whether you're joining us live on Facebook or YouTube right now, uh, taking advantage of those chat boxes, or you're joining us sometime in the future, how's the weather? <laughs> welcome and a special welcome to any of you who found us 
maybe for the first few times recently, you somehow come across one of the places where we stream and are worshiping with us today. Uh, we hope you feel a special connection to the divine and to everyone who's worshiping with you today. Uh, of course, if you want to learn more about this congregation, you can find out more at wpctiburon.org. Would you please join me in our community prayer? Creator and creating God, our understanding of you continues to unfold. We trust that you have been with us from the beginning and remain with us still. You have not given up on your creation. At times, however, we may have given up on you. We may have settled for simplistic explanations and superficial commitments. We may have been too dismissive of our ancient heritage that might actually have something valuable for us today. Renew us. Restore our relationship with you. Reinvigorate our faith and our deeper seeking. Amen. And our prayers continue in quiet. Ever-present God, you walk with us through good times and bad, mountaintop and valley deep. Your footsteps are our guide, your hands are our support. We trust in your forgiveness that you have removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. We have knocked and are grateful that you open the door. Open our hearts and minds to your spirit. May this time together cause us to love you, and especially to love one another. Amen. This is the third Sunday of the month, which means it is Birthday Blessing Sunday. If you have an October birthday, happy birthday to you! This is always a special month in our family because both my mother and my mother-in-law have October birthdays. Now, you may have noticed in our Zephyr's newsletter that almost every issue, Debbie Dibsky, on behalf of the Spiritual Life Commission, offers a poem. And in our fall newsletter was a special poem focusing on the fall and what happens in creation in the fall. So I want to share parts of that with you this morning. It's called Portrait of Fall by Alora Knight. Looking out my window, in October's golden light, I see a beauty unsurpassed, a truly lovely sight. Leaves are saying soft goodbyes as they come floating down to make a nature's carpet of yellow, red, and brown. Mountaintops now turned to white, forworn of winter chills, while trees like golden rivers, wind their way up through the hills. Throughout our world's creation, you will ever find it thus, kaleidoscopes of color in God's hand, the artist's brush. So my hope, my prayer for you on your birthday month is that you may wonder in creation Fall may be my favorite season 
And part of the reason is what the poet talks about. So much is changing. There's so many vibrant colors outside. We out here in the West don't necessarily get the colors of other parts of the country, but still so many beautiful changes happening in this season. And I pray that you may just take some time to sit in awe and in wonder. So happy birthday to you. And now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. I want to invite any of the children who are worshiping with us today to join me closer to the screen for our time of discovery. And it seems like I know some of you are getting to go back to school. We're talking about having things eventually in the church we can be together, but we're still not quite there yet. And since I can't be with you, who are the real beautiful people and who are the real heroes, I'm here with my pretend superheroes, and I'm here with my pretend Barbie beauties. You are the real beautiful people because you're not fake. You're not made of plastic. You're an actual human. You're awesome. And you are the real hero because even though you still aren't getting to go to school all the time and see your teachers and friends as much as you used to, you're doing great. I'm sorry, Barbie. Excuse me. <laughs> and, and you're doing good in our families. You're doing your homework. You're helping out around the house. Even though all the fun things that we used to do are still going, you're, you're doing wonderfully. And so today, whoa, Spider-Man, what happened? And Falcon to the rescue, what's going on? This is what happens when you tape these live. People fall down, people get, Spider-Man, what's going on? Falcon, what happened? He got hurt on his knee. Oh, he got, thank you, Falcon. Spider-Man got hurt, got a boo-boo on his knee. Has anyone ever got a boo-boo of Barbie? I'm sure you probably did too. I am I have Groot. You have gotten a boo-boo, Groot. How about that? Black, you too? Batman, you too? Wow. Oh, we've all had boo-boos, haven't we? I tell you what, maybe we can... Would you like to... Would somebody like to help Spider-Man with the Band-Aid? Oh, thank you, Batman. You're so nice. Here, I'll get it ready for you since you don't really have thumbs that move. I'll just get it ready for you. And here, you can put the Band-Aid. This is DC Comics taking care of the Avengers. Everything is right in the world here. You can just, Batman's got his Band-Aid here. And he's going to just put that right over Spider-Man's knee. What happened, Spider-Man? Oh, it was just an accident? Oh, well, accidents happen, huh? And maybe here, maybe we can take another. You want to put a Band-Aid? Do you need a Band-Aid too, Barbie? Okay. Here, we could put a Band-Aid on Barbie also. There, is that better? That's better, huh? You know, there are a lot of things that hurt us, aren't there? Everyone's had boo-boos before. I wonder, sometimes we get boo-boos and it's not because we bang our knee, it's because somebody said something that hurt us too. Has anyone ever had their feelings hurt from what somebody said? Yeah, is that is that right? Whoa bunch of you have. Me too. Sometimes the words really hurt my feelings too. Well, I wonder what God thinks we should do. Should we just be tough and never tell anyone that we're in pain? Should we never tell anyone? It's interesting. Jesus said, 
something about that in that really famous sermon you've been talking about in Sunday school. He said, those people who mourn, those people who cry, those people who are sad for things that they've done and things that have been done to them, something is going to happen to you. I wonder what Jesus said is going to happen to you when you're sad and when you tell God how sad you are. Do you want to know what's going to happen? Well, if you go to our church's YouTube channel, WPC Tiburon, you're going to find out what happens when you get hurt like Spider-Man, like Barbie, like Groot, or any of these superheroes. You're going to find out what happens when we cry, when we're sad, for whatever the reason is. We'll see you later. Bye. Thank you to Theo for helping us out with some stunts by uh, Spider-Man and Falcon. Soul, you want to introduce our next friend? Yeah. Um, I want you to see my friend Sophia because she's really cool and she knows karate. She is cool. Sophia? Hi, everyone. I'm Sophia, a junior at TAM, and I've been serving on the Stewardship Commission for the past two years. On behalf of Stewardship, I'd like to offer a huge thank you to all of you who have stepped up to pledge for next year. At this point, we're about halfway to our dollar goal of $750,000, and we've received pledges from one-third of our members. We know we all want to return to Westminster in person, and we want to be as strong as possible when we return. So please reflect on how you can contribute to sustaining our wonderful church. As one of our members told me recently, making a gift is an act of joy. It's a match between a person and a community of people who share the same values and beliefs. We hope that pledging to Westminster brings you joy. Volunteers from our stewardship outreach team will be contacting those of you we have not heard from yet. Thank you in advance for responding to them. And now we will hear from our elders and deacons who have so faithfully turned in their pledges. I'm Nancy Leung and I'm a deacon. I'm Kirk Ludwig and I'm a deacon. And we made our pledge for 2021. I'm Elder Harbo Jensen. Tina and I are making our pledge. Hey Westminster, sending my pledge in today. I'm Lisa Dini. I'm an elder, and we're in. <laughs> I'm Gary Carlston, and I'm a deacon, and Nancy and I are sending in our pledge. Hi, I'm David Elliott. I'm an elder, and I'm in. I'm Carla Lantier. I'm a deacon, and I'm in. Hi, I'm Elder Kirk Peterson, and I'm making my pledge. Hi, I'm Marsha Gould. I'm an elder. I'm in. I'm Laura Patrick, and I'm an elder, and I'm in. I'm Randy Heiser, and I'm an elder, and my pledge is in. I'm Ginny Quick, deacon, returning our pledge. Hi, I'm Elder Christina Hansen, and this is our family's pledge. So much to be grateful for, and so much to seek God's uh, hand. And we come to our time of joys and concerns now. And of course, this isn't only a time to express joys for this church, all of us, but it's also a time to express joys and concerns for whatever may be happening in your own life, in the life of those around you and the world around us. Uh, so I want to give everyone an opportunity, even while you're maybe typing now while I talk, uh, to write in any sort of joys or concerns you might have in the comment boxes. And this is a great opportunity for all of us to share in uh, reflection and prayer over those matters. I'll give everyone a moment and 
quiet reflection to write and to also pray over those things that have been mentioned and are being mentioned now in our joys and concerns. God, there is much to celebrate in our lives. It's hard for us to see, but God, we are grateful for your grace, for your love, for your kindness. We are grateful for those you've brought into our lives that have brought that love and grace and kindness into our hearts. God, we celebrate all these things together. And God, there are many things that weigh heavily on our hearts. Those we love, those we know near and dear close to us. Those who we may not know yet uh, stress and and attempt to share in their sufferings. God, we lift up these people, these requests. And finally, God, we join together in praying the way your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Your devotion so deep, 
first scripture passage this morning is Psalm 58. Listen for how the words of the Spirit may be speaking to you this morning. Do you indeed decree what is right, you gods? Do you judge people fairly? No. In your hearts you devise wrongs. Your hands deal out violence on earth. The wicked go astray from the womb, they err from their birth, speaking lies. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like the deaf adder that stops its ear, so that it does not hear the voice of charmers or of the cunning enchanter. O oh God, break the teeth in their mouths. Tear out the fangs of the young lions, O oh Lord. Let them vanish like water that runs away. Let, like grass, let them be trodden down and wither. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime, like the untimely birth that never sees the sun. Sooner than your pots can feel the heat of thorns, whether green or ablaze, may he sweep them away. The righteous will rejoice when they see vengeance done. They will bathe their feet in the blood of the wicked. People will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The second scripture reading is the 137th Psalm. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to us. 
By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs, and our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem's fall, how they said, tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. O daughter Babylon, you devastator. Happy shall they be who pay you back. What you have done to us. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Maybe one of the most troubling aspects of the Bible is violence. We depart this week in our series on troubling scripture passages from a list of texts provided by a Salon.com article critiquing the faith because it primarily lifts up passages and themes it deems trivial. Violence is anything but trivial. And it is found throughout the sacred scriptures. There's the conquest of Canaan. There's God's wrath enacted and promised on the people, the people of God, for their unfaithfulness. There's the conquest of the ancient Israelites by their enemies, their captivity, their exile, and their wishing violence on their oppressors and their captors to God in prayer, in sung prayer, as we encounter in today's passages. Oh God, break the teeth of our enemies, you heard earlier today. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime. The righteous will bathe their feet in the blood of the wicked. Psalm 58, our first reading. And just a moment ago, happy shall they be who take your little ones, your children, and dash them, their heads, against the stones. Psalm 137. Whatever happened to love your enemies, love your neighbor as yourself, the classic Christian move is to blame this violence on the Old Testament God, as if there were a different God between the two portions of the collection of books we call holy. As I say time and again in my ministry, God in the Older Testament is far more merciful than vengeful or wrathful, and far more merciful than we often seem to remember. And likewise, the God found in the Newer Testament is far more wrathful than we would care to admit. And if you don't believe me, reread Matthew 25 
about the separating of the metaphorical sheep and the goats and the gnashing of teeth and the sentence to eternal punishment. Now, if you listen to me for any length of time, you'll know my own personal faith commitment to nonviolence. One that I know is not universal in the faith and seems actually somewhat rare in Christianity in this part of the world. It seems to have faded. A teacher I follow who travels says he's often confronted when in other parts of the world by those who say, what about these Americans who claim to be Christian yet seem to have totally forgot the centrality of nonviolence in Jesus's teaching? Gandhi reportedly said this, everyone knows that Jesus taught nonviolence except Christians. Now, you don't suppose, given this series I've been on, that I'm about to defend violence from a scriptural perspective? The church has employed it and somehow defended it many a time throughout history, whether it's the inquisitions or conquest or colonialism, crusades, even down to the present day, it's amazing how our society, our supposedly secular society, rallies with almost religious fervor anytime we engage in war. There are Christian defenses of times for violence, I'm not planning to address them here, nor will I offer a blanket defense of violence. But neither do I want to dismiss out of hand the scripture passages that deal with it, seem to sanction it, particularly the passages you heard today from the Psalms. You've probably heard a version of that 137th Psalm, if nothing else, sung, sung in a reggae song, perhaps, which is instructive when you think of the point of view of the singer. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. The people are, being, are weeping over their condition in life. They've been taken from their land, forcibly removed. They're being mocked by their captors. And they're fantasizing about paying them back one day. And frankly, who could blame them? They offer up those wishes to God in prayer. And that's the operative phrase, in prayer. They're not committing the violence, at least in this moment. They're offering it to God in prayer. Don't we teach from the youngest of ages that God knows what's on our hearts? And doesn't the hymn, the old hymns say, bring it all to God in prayer? Well, if God knows what's there anyway, why not give it voice? Because maybe, just maybe, in the process of handing over those violent sentiments to the eternal one, that that God can take those wishes for violence into God's healing hands and hold them and allow us to be released from them and maybe even transform them into something better. That's not to say that we're simply to pray about it and put up with it because we're powerless. In the face of injustice or cruel circumstances or personal abuse, that there's nothing we can do 
except utter harsh words. Merely pray. Well, there are some that will teach us there is nothing mere about prayer. The womanist theologian and pastor Nichelle Guidry, who's written on subverting rape culture, says imprecatory prayer, which is simply a form of prayer which is found in many traditions and throughout the scriptures and ours, which means to wish curse or evil upon one's enemies. That imprecatory prayer can actually be a tool of resisting evil in the world because it recruits divine and human power to stand up against forces of evil and oppression and exploitation and abuse. It says no, and it asks God to join in the fight. And it's fairly easy for those who reside in positions of power and control to condemn that way of speaking, condemn that way of praying as unsightly. But those who live in oppression, those who suffer abuse, might have a very different perspective to offer. I have a friend who's a pastor in a Midwestern city, predominantly white congregation. And he heard from one of his colleagues after one of the police killings of an unarmed black man over the past year. I can't recall, in fact, which incident it was. Uh, in fact, it may have been a woman for all I know. But after one of the highly publicized police killings this year, his colleague of a predominantly black church, black pastor, wrote him, wrote many of his colleagues, and said, I don't want to hear one more prayer for peace and calm out of the white church. I don't want to hear it. Because every time one of us gets killed by a police officer and you all come out of the woodwork praying for peace and calm, we're left to wonder whose side you're on. Perspective matters. Where you sit in relation to others, your point of view it matters. Violence, though? Are you advocating violence? No, I don't. But I will point out that those who are quick to, to condemn violent or destructive protest don't seem to be as vocal about the kind of violent protest and opposition and revolution that formed this country or that held it together when it seceded parts of it, or the violence used to defeat the Nazis, or any other number of violent acts. They're quicker to justify that, to find good reason for that, even to ordain it as saying God willed or a blessing. And all I would say is let's not be so quick to criticize our ancestors for theologizing violence in their own world without taking a critical look at the way we do the same in our own. I'm not here to defend it. I actually don't think the Bible is either. One of the passages that often gets lifted up is the third chapter of Ecclesiastes. You've probably heard it, even if only in song, once again. 
To everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. The mistake that gets made time and again with the use, or I might say abuse, of that passage is to hold it up as if it's prescriptive. A God telling us there's a time to hate? Rather than recognizing it's descriptive. Not so much this is how life should be. This is how life is. This is the fullness of life. So often the Bible reflects back to us what living is like. What the human character is like. In all its beauty and all its imperfections in its goodness and in its brokenness. Pastor and author Brian Zahn puts it simply but profoundly, saying, yes, the Bible is a violent book, but not because God is violent. Rather, the Bible is violent because we are violent and the problem of violence, the problem of violence is unflinchingly depicted in the Bible which I would add, is written by people, violent people. Zond reminds us that the early church's belief, in fact, was that Jesus tries to pull us from this tendency to sink into violence. And that scene when, when, when Peter pulls out his sword to attack one of the captors of Jesus, and Jesus tells Peter to put the sword away. Jesus not only disarms Peter, Jesus disarms all of us forevermore. That was such a firm conviction of the early church that early Christians for generations refused military service. It was only when Constantine and others started to use the cross as a recruiting tool, painting it on the shield, when Christianity gained political status, in the world, that it became an official tool, an official power of the church deemed acceptable. And I think if we're honest, we have to acknowledge that this would have been anathema to Jesus Christ. Stanley Hauerwas, Christian ethicist out of Duke and militant pacifist, and I mean that in its complexity, used to say, or has said, that being a Christian for him, being a Christian uh, and being a pacifist are not two different things. To him, they're one. And moreover, he doesn't hold it up as a tactic that's effective, even though we've seen it be effective in India during the civil rights movement in the United States. Rather, Hauerwas is committed to nonviolence, not because it's effective, but because he believes it's the most faithful way to follow the Jesus that he con confesses is Christ and Lord. And yes, I've not forgotten that the one who witnessed the crucifixion, who presided over the crucifixion, and then professed that surely this is God's Son, was a Roman and a Roman soldier.
paradoxes abound. And so those who see this as some superficial attack without nuance on those who wear the uniform, I would submit either I have perhaps failed in my preaching or they have missed the forest for the trees. It's about a deeper reality and a deeper set of questions. That's exactly what Hauerwas says. He says, peace is a deeper reality than violence. Because violence, while in us, is not the deepest part of us. Because it believes the false narrative that we are fundamentally other from one another. And over against one another. Where peace taps into that deeper truth that we are in fact one. What does Jesus say? Love your enemies, love your neighbor as yourself, not as much as yourself, as yourself. Because he recognizes the fundamental truth that there is no distinction at the core of reality. So yes, violence is real, but peace is more Amen. so much happening in the life of the church and I do hope that you will get involved. Many of the things going on do require a sign up in advance because it is very important for us to keep track of our numbers. So I encourage you to look on our website or to look on the e-news to find the links to sign up for things. Today, right after worship at 11 a.m., does not need to sign up. We are hosting a Zoom town hall for the Westminster congregation. Our session is going to be deliberating soon about whether or not or when to begin holding in-person indoor worship. Um, and they would love to hear your thoughts and your feelings, your comfort level around this. So we hope you'll join us in the town hall today at 11 a.m. You can find the Zoom link again on our website or in the e-news that was sent last week. This afternoon at 2 p.m., the Spiritual Life Commission is hosting a hike on Mount Tam. Chris Caldwell and I will be leading that. Um, should be a relatively easy hike to the music camp area, and we will stop fairly regularly for times of quiet, for times of prayer. If I'm leading it, you know there'll probably be some times of singing. Um, we do want you to sign up for that so we know who is coming, so we don't leave without anyone. Again, you can find the link in the places I mentioned. 
Next weekend, we have a lot going on. Our Congregational Life Commission is hosting two different outdoor picnics, one on Saturday evening, the 24th, one on Sunday afternoon, the 25th. Please sign up for one of those if you are interested. Our high school confirmation class continues. Our first class was last Sunday. Jeff and I had a wonderful time meeting with our high school students outside of the playground area at the church. Our next class will be on the 25th. And our women's retreat is coming up. We're gonna break it into four different sessions throughout Friday evening and Saturday this coming weekend, the 23rd and 24th. It will be facilitated by the Reverend Stephanie Ryder. And I wanna share with you just this brief video from Stephanie inviting all the women of our congregation to participate. If you're interested, just send me a message and consider yourself registered. Let's hear from Stephanie. Hi there, I'm Stephanie Ryder. I'm really looking forward to being with you all at the Connection and Renewal Retreat through Westminster in the next couple of weeks. I'm the pastor at Redwoods Presbyterian Church in Larkspur. It's been really wonderful to share that space with Bethany and Rob and um, Diane over the past year. And we are grateful to be able to have the opportunity to come together by Zoom, even though uh, we won't be able to be together in person. We plan to make it a very enriching experience. And I plan to share some of the spiritual practices that I have learned um, over the course of my process of being a pastor and look forward to sharing those with you in a way that we can join in growth individually and communally and be in fellowship with one another. Please bring um, with you to the retreat a notebook and a pen. And we'll go from there. I look greatly forward to it. Peace be with you. The tune for this hymn comes from one of our great 20th century hymn writers, Hal Hobson. And it employs a familiar musical motif in that three of the four phrases begin with the same sort of music line. The first, second, and fourth are very similar at the beginning. And the third is a little derivation. So when you listen to the tune as you're learning it, if this is new for you, that's the trick.
receive this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is father and mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day, be with you every day. Amen.